0: And without further ado, let's introduce our guests. Uh, The first one that I'll introduce is going to be Diana Cha. Uh, Do we have Diana? Okay, there we go. Uh. (laughs) Hi, Diana. Uh, Diana is a sound editor and she's got a dog. A sound editor, designer, mixer. (laughs) uh, Best known as the sound supervisor on the musical feature, The Girl Who Left Home, sound designer for the Audible Originals, Hello Sunshine, audiobook The Baddest Bitch in the Room. Uh, Diana currently leads Cogito Audio Productions, whose clients have included Apple, Lifetime, Hallmark, Com, E, L, and Eureka. Diana, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Happy kind of uh, <laughs> uh Let's introduce our next guest, uh, David Shatinoff. David is a multi-industry producer. Uh, he navigates the worlds of film and television, but also the scoring and music industries. Um, his Current projects uh, include the popular second season of the digital series, L.A. Macabre, the feature film playing with Beethoven and the nonfiction series, Open America with Joel Bryant. Uh, he began his career in the film and television industry in 1998, working in post-production for the major studios and has worked with uh, high profile clientele uh, supervising post-production operations at 20th Century Fox and at Sony Pictures. So thank you for being here, David. Thanks for having me. Uh, and finally, we have Bruce Stubblefield, Uh, who has been a dialogue editor, sound supervisor, and supervising sound editor on a very extensive catalog of well-known films, such as Dances With Films, Dances With Films, sorry. That's the name of the festival that I was just at. Dances With Wolves, it was the first Dances With. Um, It introduced the whole concept of of dancing with things, with the movie with Kevin Costner, Pulp Fiction, Speed, uh, Twister, and many more. So many of the films that you know and love, uh, Bruce worked on. Uh, Welcome, Bruce. Howdy. Uh, and with that, I think I'll just get right into the questions. We A lot of the people here are, are independent filmmakers from every, you know, uh, every aspect of independent film production, whether it's, uh, you know, camera or sound or uh, you know, or editing and, and so forth. And uh, they are interested to know, often as indie filmmakers are, how do you get uh, professional looking projects done on an indie budget? So. I think I would lead off by asking, um, what would be your recommendations if you have recommenda- if recommendations you have for getting professional quality post-production sound if you have to work with a limited budget? Uh, what are your thoughts about that?
1: Well, I, I have one uh, first, first thought, which is the best way to get good sound in post is to get it in production meaning hire a mixer who you know is good and especially one who knows how to mount and use lobs mm. because on an indie budget, you're gonna, you'll are gonna, you be lucky if you get a boom anywhere and you'll be lucky if it sounds like anything, but you're always <laughs> going to be somewhere where you're going to get a lob and end up using it because it'll be the only thing that you, that's useful, it's eight out of 10 times. And if the, the worst the production sound is, you know, it's not magic. And we don't have magic tools that fix everything, no matter what they try to te- uh, sell you. We fix some things, and uh, but there's a there's a clarity and an openness uh, to well recorded sound that you almost never hear in independent films because it requires expensive microphones and quiet places. Um, but the closer you can get to it, the better off you'll be. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah making sure that you get good sound on set and listening to the take afterwards I mean despite how quickly you need to progress when you're on an indie set I mean I think some a lot of filmmakers don't realize how much money you can save in post based on that uh, how, how about diana and david is that consistent with i know I know david you've done you you've done sound mixing as well as post sound uh yeah you know
2: it's uh Bruce nailed it right there you know and, and I was the production uh mixer on playing with Beethoven so I hope some of the stuff I recorded on set didn't make his life too hard in post-production <laughs> editorial land. So um, yeah, it's, it all starts at the beginning of the process. Um, br- you know, bring, your, bring your audio people in early so that they, they can plan the best that they can in production to get you the best possible recorded dialogue and environments and room tone um, so that life is so much easier in post-production for uh, your editor, your uh, re-recording mixer. And your recordist, so you know it's it it really comes comes down. It's the same way you would treat the camera team, where you you have a plan to get into production. Your production, uh, you know, you you light it, you shoot it, and then when you get into post, your your colorist has a a a plan to get the images solid. Your editorial team has has a plan to use the footage that you captured to create these sequences. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same idea. Treat your sound team. Um, how you would your your camera team and, and give them as much planning and preparation so that the final product is the best it can be
0: and, and I get the sense that maybe in your experience that doesn't that doesn't happen as much as it should like the, the camera team gets a little bit more focus in the pre-production than, than the- sure program. I mean yeah
2: you know that's when it, when it comes down to it the moving picture is much more fascinating to people you know yeah. than, than uh, uh, trying to figure out how to get audio um clean and and understood and heard um in the final product so you you know over the last 20 plus years of, of my career it's why i have a career is you know pe- people uh, have always thought of of post-production sound as a, it's an afterthought for them so yeah
1: yeah and also the post-production sound is is everybody thinks they can stick a microphone up somewhere and record the sound and they, so they, they really don't respect it. Or they don't think about it. They respect it, but they don't think about it. And uh, whereas with something like music or, or camera work, they really don't understand it at all, and it's kind of magic to them. And so they really respect composers and, and, and DPs who can kind of intimidate them into getting something, a better quality out of something. So it's, it's a little harder with, with, <laughs> with post-production sound. Yeah, But that's life.
3: Um, To add to what they were saying, I I agree with it. I've also done some recording on set as well. And um, for me, one of the things that I noticed was um, sometimes it's because it's so easy to just focus on camera. um, Like sometimes you just get shooed off set, like sounds get away. And then like they're like, "Okay, where's sound now? And they don't even give you any time to set up or anything. I'm not saying all sets do this, but I feel like it's so easy to dismiss sound and not not give um, the sound team, assuming there's a team, um, yeah. time to really get coordinated. And you know, sometimes there'll be like five minutes till you know we, the next uh, shot, and you have to laugh like eight people, and like that's just <laughs> not going to happen. You know, yeah. you know. So for me, I think it's just give your sound team the time. That other people get like PD, they always get time to set up, you know, art or on top of that. Um and just so just respecting the time, I think, is super important.
0: Yeah. Do you, you find yourself talking to directors about this during pre-production? Like, hey, the, the sound has got to get the attention that it needs. Well, I uh, wish they
1: would talk to us
0: during pre-production. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just wonder if it if it requires uh, people to be like if it requires sound people to be kind of proactive. Like if that's a recommendation you would make to go and talk to the director and say, "Hey, we're going to need to allocate some time here to sound on set," and more than usually, it happens in my experience.
1: Yeah, of course, mm. of course. Yeah. If you can talk to them, great. Uh, yeah. There are things you can do that don't take time, or don't take a lot of time, mm. and those are the things they'll let you do. That they, if you didn't bring them up, they might not even know them. Uh, I can't think of a great example right now, but it, it, if it's going to cost the production time, you probably won't get to do it. Uh, yeah, you know, because it's it's twice as bad or ten times as bad as a show when because no one's getting paid if it's a little yeah. indie indie film or if they're getting paid, you know, it's not not very much. And so, really, they're the, everything is about getting it done faster than than any other thing. So,
0: yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, I take it that one of the things, one of the other strategies for minimizing expense would be to lean on sampled or library sounds as opposed to custom recording of sound, or is is that your experience too? Yeah, I mean, the the thing about the
1: indie films is they have so little money, if they have any money, Hmm. that the you, you don't have time to go out and record anything. I mean, ninety-nine percent of anything that's in, in in even well in television and indie films, is is either foley or or library. And there's brilliant stuff out there. You know, there's not that like you're not sacrificing. There's the best recordists in the world that put out hundreds of libraries by this time, and you're not going to do better than those guys. So mm. just because you think it might have appeared somewhere, there's nothing special about going out and sticking a microphone up somewhere and praying these guys you know put the incredible effort into these libraries and uh so i wouldn't be afraid to use them you know i mean you don't want to use the same gunshot every time but that's about you know how do you edit gunshots and how many shots do you use and 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 that sort of thing that's not a it's not about going out and recording it yourself Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion (laughs) Uh, i i i don't know where you're where you're going with the conversation but one thing that I would, um, I would say to identify as a filmmaker very early on is uh, how are you going to be posting the show? If you're going to do it all yourself, you're probably going to use Premiere or, or something like that. Uh, maybe you'll use Avid if you're lucky. Um, if you're going to give it to anybody else to do anything, uh, you have a lot of conversations to have with your DP and your sound mixer and your DIT guy and anybody involved in the chain of getting material to people downstream, because what we get nine times out of 10, if, if, we, if we even, you know, if they didn't record it on a little TAC t- two track with a, you know, one of those things you hold up like a phone, if they didn't record it that way, which a half the time they do, you get no metadata. And metadata is everyone's friend. And uh, if you're using Premiere, uh, you have to have conversations with people. I don't know how to do it I, because, thank God, in my business, we have assistants. And I bob off anything I can on them, especially technical work like that. But Premiere is very, very uh, downstream post unfriendly. It's very friendly within itself. And I think a lot of people love it for that. But if you're, gonna, if you're gonna give the sound to someone else to do, they're gonna do it in Pro Tools. And if you get, you know, and, and same for the visual aspects. And if you don't have at least scene and take uh, and uh, some basic information, it, it makes it very difficult, if not impossible for the dialogue guy, which is gonna be 75 or 90% of your sound in an indie film. It's very difficult for the dialogue guy to get the information he needs just to fix something. Yeah. So communication and, and, and get the information about how to, they don't, most people using Premiere and even you know, young editors, they don't really know how to, they don't know how to set the settings. It's just a matter of buttons to push when you ingest the material mm-hmm. into, the, uh, into the whatever you're ingesting it into. Uh, One button will give everybody what they want and another will deny everybody what they want. I mean, probably more than one button, but you get the idea. You got to talk to people. Yeah,
0: Yeah. um, why don't we take a question from the audience here, which is, this is from Jayasri M. Hart. Uh, What are the elements of sound design beyond adjusting volume and pan of dialogue, FX and music? For me, for example, EQ is to get rid of noise and limiters avoid digital overload. Does anyone want to weigh in on this one?
1: Obviously not.
2: <laughs> in editorial, I'm usually not thinking about EQ. Let all that stuff I leave to re-recording mixers. they you know, they if, if you're post if you're lucky enough to have a post production team that's departmentalized, you know, and you're you have people working in, in their specific uh, areas. Um, in audio editorial I'm not worrying about. EQing something. I'm, I'm, I'm worrying about putting the pieces together that fit what I'm seeing on screen. Um, you know, especially when it comes to sound effects, you know, it's do I have footsteps where there need to be footsteps? Is there clo- clothing rustle where there needs to be clothing rustle? Um, you know, and, and finding those elements that may have not translated well from production audio and, and filling out that sound, uh, sound field in post production. So I'm not too worried about. The different aspects of things that a re-recording mixer may uh, be focused on. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, that's. I mean, that I'm 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 with David completely because it's sort of that's the either we we call it the professional or some people would call it the old-fashioned fogey way of doing it, <laughs> which is uh, you know you we each have our, our in the old days you, sound editors didn't do anything to the sound except chop it up and a few other things mm-hmm. and and clean it. Now there's the the and, and then give it to the mixer, and they did everything with it. And uh, nowadays, it's much more blurred than that. And anybody working on these indie films, uh, you're, you probably are going to have to worry about it if you'd have no one helping you. Mm-hmm. So, the you know, I, I'd say don't make an indie film until you have people to help you who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're, because if you have someone to help you with sound, they're going to know so much more about it uh, that they're going to be the ones who will do it well. You know, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can get a few things done uh, in in the in the uh, picture editing programs. But even if you have a pro tools, and even if you have a bunch of, you know, cracked programs to go with it, no one here uses cracked programs, by the way, we all pay for all our programs, just saying that Uh, even if you have a bunch of programs, you don't know how to use them. And even if you know how to use them, you don't know how to listen. It takes, I mean, although no one appreciates what we do, it takes decades to really learn to hear. And that's what someone brings to it. They bring ears to it. Uh, they don't bring knowing how to use a box or that. You know they, Yes, they bring that. But what they bring is they know what they're hearing. So get someone to help you. You know, I, I, it's not an easy answer because when you're making these little indie things, nobody will help you. But that makes that's the difference between filmmakers and non-filmmakers. I mean, it's real easy to stick up a digital thing nowadays so everybody thinks they're a filmmaker, but it takes a lot of collaboration, a lot of discussion and knowing people and, and you really ought to get to know them before you try to go too far. It'll make everyone's life easier if you do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and having people you can work with on a recurring basis is such a gold. Uh Diana, I know that you, I you have a lot of involvement in sound design.
3: Um, yeah. Uh, so the question was to the elements of sound design beyond adjusting volume and pan. Um I guess even I guess delays and and you know, like echoey sounds, you know, like in horror movies, you yeah. know, like You'd hear like a voice, like a creepy ghost voice, like, oh, save me. And you know, you want to, you know, sometimes you want to think about um, what kind of how you want it to sound, like in the room, if it's, you know, spinning, things like that. Obviously, the re recording mixer is the one who gets to decide where everything goes. But I guess even for me, when I just do just the sound design and I have to pass it off to someone else, I'm, I might, I'll just do my own temp, you know, mix to get, give them an idea of what I was thinking. Yeah. and then they can go wild with it after but I'm, I'm not like baking in too many of the effects because otherwise i'm going to tie tie the re-recording rixer's hands yeah. um but so like things like that like more creative um sometimes you'll see things like somebody says something and it's like a cliffhanger and then their voice like echoes into the black screen you know mm-hmm. things like that but uh beyond that i think the biggest thing is just yeah taking out all the nasty bits and cleaning things up so it's nice and tidy before <laughs> thinking about um, extra effects. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, in terms yeah. of
1: taking out the, the, the naughty bits or the nasty bits, sorry, that's English. Uh, you, you know, you want to do what you can with it, but now with all these boxes that people think no, they know how to work, you if you do too much to it, you'll just wreck it. And uh, it'll sound like a, a cross between a radio show and a CB uh, broadcast, and everything will be clipped and you know compressed and squashed and you know. So, but again, that depends on whether you're doing it yourself and or whether you're giving it to someone. If you're giving it to someone, another a, a simple thing I can tell you to do is when you're e- editing your picture, uh, edit your sound intelligently, and all that means is. Keep the dialogue on one tra- set of tracks, keep the uh, sound effects on another set of tracks, and keep the music on another set of tracks. That may sound dopey simple, but you, you make <laughs> stuff we see. Nice. So, if you keep it separate, um, and again, worry about interfacing and find out from call a good assistant and ask them how to interface. Hmm. But just keeping things separate—that's. I mean, it sounds so dumb, but that anyone who helps you will appreciate that. And then you'll appreciate it too, as you, as you're going through your show and suddenly you have 80 tracks at what, oh, where's the, uh," you know, you'll know a little bit more about what you have.
3: Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. Sometimes I'll get like an OMF where like, like the two track of the music, it's completely split and everything's all over the place. I'm like, how did this even happen? Where did everything go? And then I just send it back and like, Hey, fix it and send it back to me because this is insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes I've gotten tracks where the music and the dialogue are on the same track and, and like, well, can't you just take the music out with, the, <laughs> no, no, I need you to take the music out. And then you send it, and then I put the music in Then I send you a separate music. So yeah, sometimes it requires, in, in, in the indie business, it requires a little bit of explanation sometimes. That I have to well, do. You know, I,
1: I, I'm wondering if, uh, I don't know who's watching this, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about Basically helping other people help you you know and there are, you, we may be a lot of people watching who just simply are not going to have the resources to have anybody help them and they're really going to do it all themselves uh, in that case i don 't know if people want that kind of information it's it's pretty boring and, and uh, we could dive into it but i don't know who needs who needs what so maybe we should you know if there's an answer to that question.
2: I think, yeah, I think if, if you are one man banding the post audio process, I I do think you should, you know, make sure that you're editing your audio first and then saving all your EQ, you know, all that good stuff for later so that you're not putting yourself into any, you're not backing yourself into any, any corners. Like Diana said, you know, you don't want to tie the re-recording mixers hands um, when they get to that Point in the process, so focus on editorial first of, of your dialogue, of your sound effects, and your music, and then afterward worry about all your panning, your reverbs, the the, the fun creative stuff that you, you might have with a you know an echo, echoing voice or um, building explosions or you know whatever your 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 project is is about um, you know editorial first and then all the fun stuff and re-recording. Yeah.
1: Plus, if you you know you may think you're going to do it all yourself. But if the thing ends up being any good, someone else will start touching it. Yeah. And so you may as well do some of these things no matter what who you think is going to deal with it. And you should hope it's good enough someone else wants to touch it. So, right. uh, you know, and I haven't read them, but I know there's tons of books out there about post-production. I know there's books about dialogue editing effects. So you probably ought to, I mean, they can't be that bad. So you gotta, you, I'd read them. You know, and, and because there's probably a lot of great information in them, uh, even if they, you know, everybody's, everybody, th- everybody thinks they're the best editor in the world, first of all. And, they, and they, you, they'll, they'll, they'll criticize sources of information like this because that's how I do it. You're an idiot. But uh, really, there's many ways to do everything. And uh, there's no, I, I've yet to hear a rule that uh, is written in a law that I could get punished for in sound. You know, so it's what can you do that uh, will make it sound good and any way anything goes. Yeah. So I guess read up on it. But I mean, you know, you know,
0: it's time consuming. And and speaking of uh, figuring out what people need, we have a question from Woke Films. Uh, This is very specifically about ADR. Uh, We're currently shooting a feature film here in Florida using a Rode NTG2 wired to my BMC BMP cc four K. We are getting less than perfect audio. Uh, any tools or resources you can recommend for ADR?
1: Uh, I guess he's meaning after he's getting crappy sound and he knows it, and he yeah. knows he's going to have to loop it. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah, that's not, that looks right.
1: Uh, well, <laughs> um, we're all stumped. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, I, the best. first, the, the oh, first indie film that I did, um, you know, we didn't get great sound in production. And when, when it came to post, I think we wound up um, doing about 70 to 80% ADR for the, like, of the fil- of the entirety of the film was ADR. Um, and what we did was we, uh, I have Pro Tools at home, which is, which is nice. So we just shot up a mic here. In my place, because it was a no-budget indie feature, um, and then we just went scene by scene. We did an Excel spreadsheet and, uh, you know, listed all of our loops for all the actors. Brought them in, recorded what we needed to record, and then we at least had cleaner takes um, than the production audio. And then it was just a matter of clearing out the room tone from my my little studio here and. Um, trying to fit that dialogue into match whatever was in production. So, you know, you can take that road, um, microphone that, that you're using, um, set it up at home, you know, record your loops to picture, um, and try and get those, this, this would be the, the cheapest way to do it. Try and get that, uh, ADR to match your, uh, production lip flap. Um, and then just pull it into your, your, uh, editing system, whatever you're using. Um, and, uh, try and clean it up to those clips and, you know, list your best takes, um, line them up, and then hopefully that works for you.
1: Yeah, hmm. I, I, uh, again, it's as with, the questions are always technical, but the question really isn't so technical, it's artistic. And the reason people hate ADR is because they, the performance always degrades and they, never get from, and they never get in their recording studio what they got on the set. So uh, when, if, if it's, if you know somebody who can help you, they're going to have a setup and they can take care of it. If you don't know anybody, you know, as David says, you can easily set up a a, a microphone sitting right next to the, the, the I mean, I get, uh, we get uh, editors, picture editors who do this all the time and it ends up in the movie, you know, they'll, they'll put up a mic next to where they're cutting and they never get it better than that. And uh, so you can, and, and I, I'd, I'd say from a, a do-it-yourself point of view, uh, I would figure out how to set up a loop system on a Pro Tools or whatever you have that will play back the line and then leave a space for someone to talk in a rhythm. It's why we call it looping because in the old days, it was loops. It was loops of film on projectors. And they go uh, there, there wasn't none of this beep, beep, beep talk stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. That was, the, they put up a loop and the, you know, Humphrey Bogart would say, here's looking at you, kid. And he, we'd have the, so it would go, here's looking at you, kid, on the on the, the, the work track, the, the guide track. And he'd just say, here's looking at you, kid, right after it. <laughs> and 75% of the time, it's better than what we do now. And, and often in looping, you'd end up doing it that way because the actors, you know, it's a, it's a very artificial process. But when you make it, a re- repetition it just becomes all it needs to be which is a repetition of the words with the with the emotion so you set up a you know you you set it up it's technical but you set up like 10 times in a row with 10 spaces in between a little longer than that so the actor will go get into a rhythm he'll hear it he'll say it he'll hear it he'll say it he doesn't even have to look at the screen then you can take it down and, when you like one and look at the screen against it but if you if you try to make the actor look at the screen you'll just, in a, in a non-professional situation, you're gonna probably destroy the performance. Mm-hmm. So I recommend, not for me, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it, but if you're a do it yourself, it works dram- uh, remarkably well. It's mm-hmm. very time consuming, giant pain in the ass. And, uh, but it, it does work.
3: To add to that, I would mm-hmm. recommend using the same mic that you used on set just to maintain a level of consistency in terms of the audio quality. I mean, I think is this BMPCC, it's a camera, right? <laughs> so is it just the only, like, I guess, I don't really have context for this, but the camera is just, it, that's that's the mic and that's it. Like, so you're not, I guess you're not really getting the mic close enough to the actor. Um, but, yeah, is there a
0: boom? Yeah, I'm not sure if you're Yeah,
3: crazy. so I'm, I'm a little confused about that, but definitely whatever is your main mic, Um, you know, if you're doing ADR, use that mic to record the ADR. And if they have labs, hopefully they have labs, clip one of those on there too, um, just to, so you have, so the editor or if you have options um, to choose which, which uh, mic that you want to use for that particular spot.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of thinking out loud that you must have the mic on a boom, but you may not have that, but if you can't, you know, if you're, Again, do it yourself. Go get a boom. Go get a pole from the Home Depot <laughs> with the, that they use for extendable. I mean, if you can't, you know, because you can't afford anything when you're making these. It uh, it's not going to be pretty. But if you can get a microphone over somebody's head two feet away, as opposed to the camera 10 feet away or eight feet away or even six feet away. Uh, you can also you can at least do one lav because you get two channels in most of these and some many channels in some of these uh, some of these cameras. You can run a lav into your camera, too, even if you're just recording to camera. Hmm. Uh, red cameras have four channels, at least. But I mean, if you have a red, you're not worrying about what we're <laughs> talking about.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And, and speaking of that issue of having uh, having money or no money, uh, as the case may be in, in the context of an indie film, um, I, I've heard that post-sound is generally about like a rule of thumb is that it's about 5% of the budget of the film. Uh, does that sound like a, a decent rule of thumb to you or is it really something that needs to be evaluated on a case-by-case basis? Well, the more expensive the film,
1: hmm. more, the higher it should, more should be up to 50% in my opinion. I should say hmm. out of a $100 million film, I believe we should get 50% of that. Okay. <laughs> well, that's obviously stupid. Okay, that's a joke. But uh, in the old days, it used to be 10%. And I think that included included music, but it may not have included the composition. Yeah. Now it's whatever you can get. Um. You know, I mean, David probably is the best witness on this, since you do a lot of management.
2: Yeah, it's you know, it, it really does come down to pro- project to project, and you know, back in the the there's a, a sliding scale that we used in the Producers Guild, and I think it's if you're looking at like a hundred. Hundred thousand dollar film. Um, that fifty k of that would go to all of post. So within that fifty k, you have your picture editorial, color correction, all your deliverables, and then a little portion of of that um, would be for the sound team for editorial and re-recording mixing. Um, so you know if if you if you have money to do it, you you should you know look at definitely at least a production mixer and a boom operator in production. And then in post-production, at least an editor and a re-recording mixer, which um, sometimes winds up being the same person. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a project to project thing. You want to try and save as, uh, as much money as you can for posts where, you know, where you're finishing. You don't want to blow all of that budget in production on uh, big set pieces and all, all that stuff. So um, you can, but be prepared to, start begging for money from investors or from crowdfunding when you get to uh, post-production.
0: Were you gonna say something, Diana?
3: Oh, no, I, I agree with all that. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: why don't we get to another question from David Kuntz. Uh, beyond effects for things happening on screen level of design, are there any tips for having richer sound designs? I struggle with things that aren't literally on screen but add greatly to the feel. I guess maybe that refers to sort of ambient sound, like traffic noise or noise of the ocean, or, or, or whatever kind of uh, location that you're in. Well, I mean,
1: I'd say one of the things. Obviously, there's different categories of things: as on-screen effects, off-screen effects, backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you can do that it, it, it is probably will yield a lot is a few good backgrounds. Uh, especially uh, if you have a show, especially some room tones in addition to all the bugs and birds and traffic and, but uh, just uh, small amounts of fill sound. If because again, you're usually these pictures are dialogue pictures, and uh, either two or three traffics that you can blend, two or three room tones that you can blend, and then you know anything goes really. If there's a what does the world consist of? You know, think about, look around you. There's like I said, there's, there's, there's tones and there's bugs and there's birds and there's machines. And you know, if it's a fantasy film, there's your imagination, anything goes and get somebody with a good imagination to help you. Cause if you, if you have a fantasy film, you don't want to try to do those effects yourself. Uh, but, Just think about what's around you, and anything you can think of, that sound has been recorded, and uh, you'll be able to get it out of a library, or you can go record it yourself. Um, I don't know if that's an answer.
3: Oh, okay. uh, To add to that, um, I would say, like, what think about your intent? Like, what are you trying to achieve, and why? Um, And and then you can kind of think about like what you want to do next. So for example, like a horror movie, like you're going into a house and it's, you know, it's like, why are you going to the house? Like you might get killed. So the house itself could be a character where it could be scary. So how do you want to convey that? Maybe some creaking noises, maybe some wind going through the windows, things like that. Or let's say it's like a quiet scene where some someone's just having a conversation with someone and it's, it's awkward, maybe, they're breaking up or something and they're just looking at each other and they can't sure. and you don't know they don't know what to say maybe a chair creak, yeah. you know like little little things to add to the awkwardness like so why are you doing because it's awkward so how are you going to add to the awkwardness mm-hmm. um i would say think about things like that um or just um layering even you know like mm-hmm. maybe there's like one obvious sound like you, you know they say like even punches aren't really punches anyway but you know there's like the when you punch somebody like in the movies anyway it's not like real life but this is hyper realism but you know like the tooth cracks or like there's like that slapping noise and on top of the actual thud things like that or um going back to the haunted house maybe something is scary so a lot of times in movies they'll have like this low frequency hum coming in to, and then that just subconsciously like you might not even be thinking about that sound when you're listening, but you you'll feel it and you're like, oh, something is wrong, something is scary right mm-hmm. things like that I would consider.
2: Yeah I like having a conversation with the director um, and just figuring out what that world is. So if you know if we're in a a uh, just a house and you know, where does where does that house? live in this world geographically like is it near a school is it near a park is it a residential neighborhood that'll help inform what's happening outside of that world and then inside of that world you know if you're navigating through the house at all you can say oh there's a refrigerator in the next room maybe we hear that compressor a little bit while we're in this room um or they have a you know a cat so maybe there's a a a meow that you can throw in there at, at some point or it's you know whatever it is talk to the director and if you're doing it yourself have a conversation with yourself and really think about what where are we now in this world that i've created in this project um, you know what uh really think about it beyond where you where, where you are visually what you know what where can we go sonically that is going to make this you know f- uh, filled out and feel like a real world
1: one of the things that we do by practicing for decades doing this stuff is we get into the habit of thinking that way. So we'll slap all kinds of stuff on there without even being told, without even thinking about it. But if you're just starting out or you're your own sound editor, you, you're not thinking that way. It's a different mindset. So, uh, you know, again, if you're doing it yourself, just put as much imagination into it as, it can, as you can. Because it's 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 not about the boxes you use or I mean, th- there was just one film in the in back in the Pleistocene era when I was were coming up, they were called the uh, uh, the gods must be crazy and this is back when you only only made films on thirty five millimeter, and this was shot in Africa and it looked like absolute hell and it sounded like hell but it was funny and charming and people loved it 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 made a bazillion dollars on a no budget because nobody cares about the technical aspects when they're watching a film. I mean, if you make them watch an out-of-focus shot for 10 minutes, maybe. But, uh, you know, put up an HD monitor, go, go look at a bunch of old Law & Orders. You know, you think that's, you, you, you wanna see some out-of-focus shots? <laughs> this was a, an amazingly, uh, you know, they had to do it fast. And when, and when they got the performance, they got the performance. And if it was soft, it was soft. Hmm. So it's all about the heart, not about any of the boxes or anything anyone does except the heart that goes in the film and what you can do for sound to amplify the heart of the film. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely I feel the same way about music. Um, We have another question from Kate Fogarty, which is, uh, if you're looking to upgrade from DIY, where might an indie project start to meet competent sound people willing to work with low budget? I guess, particularly in this era when networking events in person are not as common.
2: Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> with, the, with the pandemic happening, It's there's not a lot of opportunities to, to just mingle in person. Where, you know, I, I, when I first moved to town, I met people that worked at studios and they just happened to have friends that worked in the sound industry. And that's, you know, I met my first sound editor and re-recording mixer for uh for that first feature film that way it's just you know and and when when you meet someone that's working as a a a professional sound editor they know re-recording mixers and foley artists and um adr recordists and um you know that's um it's easy to meet one person and then just slowly network out and find out who's not working on a show right now and who might have you know time available to um, to help out a small project. Um, but yeah, nowadays it's, it's a little tougher these days with the pandemic happening that, uh, the mingle is not a great way to do it. So I'm not, I'm not sure what resources might be out there that, that are a great way to, to expand your team, um, to include post sound.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I know that there's just an endless bunch of people out there, uh, claiming to be post sound people, Um, and, uh, you know, if they're willing to work for nothing or for like to deliver a whole job for $4,000, they aren't going to know what they're doing. Um, because the, the ugly truth about sound is that it's really much more like the transportation department than it is anything else. Almost nobody in it really would be doing this stuff except to be paid. I mean, we all like it. We all enjoy it. But it's full of underachievers who wanted to be directors and, and you know, composers and bass players and, and, uh, and, and who ended up doing sound because they needed to make a living. So they have taste, they have talent, they have ears, and they're making it with sound. They're making their money with sound. But they're not dying to do it for nothing. Um, the, when I do it for nothing, it's out of a personal relationship. Um, hmm. That's the only way I do it for nothing uh and i I think that's the way most people only do it for nothing and, uh, well a a good way to get someone to help- help you with your film is to make a good film because I mean, it sounds stupid, but most of the stuff we get that is no budget is is really terrible i mean There are so many bad films being made. Now, I know everybody loves them and God bless you. I don't mean to rain on your parade, but they're no good. I'm sorry, you gotta learn. It's hard to make a film. People study for years to do it. And so you have a passion, um, but you may not have any skills and you may not, you know. but if you do have a passion and a little of the skills, you might make a little gem. And um, people will work on a gem for nothing. You know, I, even if I don't know them, I, if it's not too long or something, I might I might help if I have time. I know that uh, there's, uh, there are a few sound facilities that will do things for very, very cheap um, if they like them or if they think the filmmaker has a future. Yeah. So, you know, whether or not you're gonna get someone to help you really is gonna depend on how good a film you make. Yeah. Um, and sh- so, and you gotta have belief in your
2: film, so show it, show them the film. Um, I'll add to that by saying you should ask. If, if you think you have a little bit of a film that's, you know, you, you feel good about its chances out in the world and you just need help with post sound, it doesn't hurt to ask Technicolor and talk to their, um, you know, their, their post audio uh, supervisor or manager and just say, hey, I have this film, it's, you know, 90 minutes long what can you guys do to help me out with post sound? It's yeah, uh, I know it needs a little bit of help with dialogue. It needs help with, with this, that. Just it, it doesn't hurt to ask, and you know they'll it's be great. very honest, they'll be very honest with you. Yeah,
1: it's a great suggestion, really, because you people who are, do no budget think nobody wants to talk to them, and really they don't, but they will talk to you, and if you can interest them by either having a you've got a good log line for your film, something something will interest them. They'll do it. They'll they'll help you. They may not be able to do it themselves, but then they'll know someone to send you to.
2: Yeah, so, and those yeah. facilities always have um, uh, apprentices and assistants that are dying to get their hands on a project. Right. So, you know, if if their A team and their B team is is completely booked on features and television shows, you know, their assistants might be like, "Hey, w- we can take this on, and I'll work my spare time here at the studio, you know, to help these guys out and get the Technicolor name on this thing or whatever the audio facility is, you know, they, there might be a deal to be made just so that they can start to get the experience and apply the things that they're learning from um, from their engineers um, and their editors um, to actual yeah. projects.
1: That's a great suggestion because not only will they want to do it, all the people who really know what they're doing will be looking in on them and saying, what you, idiot? Don't do that. And they'll help, they'll help them. So you'll get the help of better people. Uh, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I know that assi- uh, like assistants in real po- uh, sound companies are the most abused and unloved. And and mm-hmm. if you you could call them up, you could call and ask for the assistant mm-hmm. and engage them. Because first of all, you're the first person that's ever wanted to talk to them and and see if you can engage in a conversation with them. You never know. You might, you know, I mean, you might have to do it 10 times to hit somebody. And I'm not going to tell you who to call because they'll never talk to me again. (laughs) They're out there and there's lots of sound companies and ask for the assistant and beg, you know, Uh, you'd be surprised what people, but people are, I find people very forthcoming in the sound business, especially the younger they are, the old guys like me, just shut the door. But. The young, you know they they have a lot of pity on filmmakers because they know how hard it is, and they want to help. If if you respect their craft, they want to help you. You'd be surprised. Yeah.
3: Uh, I would also add, Facebook groups. I'm yeah. on a few Facebook groups, and you know I ask questions like, "Hey, what do you guys think of this?" Um, for advice, uh, like if I'm having trouble about some kind of equipment or whatever. But there are multiple Facebook groups that you can ask people for help like and you can name a budget even i mean they'll laugh at you if you say for free but um <laughs> most of the time but there, there might be a few people who are willing to do it and then you know they'll shame the people who are saying give me money but there's like po- there's like production and post-production sound for uh i'm sorry i don't know the name of it Pro- production sound for film and video that's one that i'm on um post sound mixers If you're looking for a student, Hey Audio Student is one, Um, but yeah, Facebook is a great way to, the groups anyway is a great way to just meet random people who Hmm. you might wanna connect with. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and in in my experience also being able to get onto set, which as a post person, you know, obviously is not something we necessarily do all the time in the indie world, but I was lucky enough to work with Jen Page, which I think, you know, was the the supreme overlord of Black Magic Collective, uh, who actually is the reason why I know all of you. Uh, so it was really because I was on set with her on the first project we did together, The Breakout of Rock Opera. Uh, and uh, yeah, then I, uh, through working with her on more and more projects, that's how I got introduced to you all. Um, so the, I, yeah, the value of being on set for me has been tremendous. Uh, and and hopefully, I, and I, I still try to seek out opportunities to do that, even if it's doing something like being a PA, because I know it's ultimately going to be valuable to me. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good, good suggestion. If you if you haven't spent a lot of time on a set, you know, as a sound person, it'd be a great thing to do. Yeah. But um, Mm. I have a a off the off the totally off the subject. Uh, When you're editing your film, and you're going to be the only editor, if you're not the only editor, you won't have an expensive editor probably. Um, I would urge you not to cut with a bunch of music. Uh. I would urge you to cut with as little music as possible, um, both because from an artistic point of view, you have to, the film has to be better if you're not slathering music on it. Mm-hmm. Your music covers up all kinds of sins, especially needle drops, you know, songs. And everybody thinks songs are what music is in a film nowadays. But, um, you know, cut with less music and whatever you cut with, you're not gonna be able to afford. So if you don't have a composer involved already or a band that's going to give you songs, you, you're going to cut your mu- you're going to cut your film and it'll get all sensitive about it and it'll get everything perfect to some song and then the song is gone, and suddenly the the scene is gone. So uh, don't don't use crutches when you're when you're. It isn't really a post question, but the it, music is a big crutch until the composer gets it, in which case it's supposed to actually add something, but. You know, I mean, how often do you get, as sound editors, how, to the extent that we even listen to the music, which we're supposed to at least know what's in it, uh, you know, some of the, the stuff we get that we have, they have these famous records in them yeah. and down to the mix day and they say, well, we'll replace it later. Yeah, you'll replace it later. And then suddenly the thing dies. Hmm. So, you know, that's, that's just a little pet peeve yeah. for you.
0: Yeah, or the director. Yeah, and then the director falls in love with the temp track, but it's something that's too expensive to use in the movie. Like, yeah, they put sympathy for the devil in there or something like that, and now they can't can't watch the scene without sympathy for the devil. Yeah, no, I've certainly witnessed this myself on the music side.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, it's like music, for God's sake, that really well, actually is kind of magic in a way. I mean, I certainly don't know how to do it. But you think about the music you want to put in a record. It's something that hits you. Someone probably spent six months making that record. No, not six months, but months making a record and all, all the, had all the money in the world and were great world talents. And suddenly you want your struggling composer or struggling songwriter to come up with something that good for no money. You know, how is it going to happen? So.
0: Uh, David and Diana, do you, have, do you have experience with this happening, too, where the director's got this temp music that they're super wedded to and that becomes a problem?
2: Yeah, it's, you know, it, I mean, it happens at all levels, not not just the indie world. I've seen um, cuts of films before release, like studio cuts of films. And the announcement at the front is there's a couple needle drops in here that aren't final. And it's, you know, a month out from release. It's like, OK, well, enjoy recutting your scenes when you get the music in there (laughs) because it's going to feel completely different so and then you watch the final uh final version of the film and it's like oh, okay and that can happen for any number of reasons not just you can't afford it it could be the artist doesn't want their music in your film so you know it's it's um it's a tricky thing to to walk i know there's bigger filmmakers that like to think about music right out the front like uh james gunn for instance will be like i'm gonna have These songs and he's fortunate enough to be in a position where artists are like, "Okay, we know your film's going to get out there and it's going to make, you know, a billion dollars at the box office. So we're fine licensing, you know, these um, incredible pieces of music um, to you. Um, But, uh, you know, in our the the thing with licensing music um, is that if it's not going to get out there. The artist is less likely to license it to you, and less 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 likely to license it to you for uh, cheap. Because if it's going to get on Netflix, then they're like, okay, at least the amount they're paying is worth it to us because our song is going to get back out there, and people are going go to go the the store and pick up the record, the CD, go to a- Apple iTunes, and you know buy the track for ninety nine cents or whatever it is. That it's exposure for the artist. But when you know when when you're sitting in an edit edit bay and listening to these you know, top 100 songs from the last 30 years, 40 years. It's like mute, mute track and worry about what's happening in the rest of the world.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, I, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here, but thank you all very much uh, for being with us and I hope this was helpful. Um, I know that I, I learned a lot and I hope you all, all everybody watching did too. And uh, yeah, with that, um, uh, I'll take you all out And uh, we'll go to our announcements at the end here. Thank you all for being here.
1: Been a pleasure.